It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Boston Loose Baseball. Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye, producer Darius Dameron. On this episode, we'll go over the Nats giving out some season-long awards. Plus, Davey Martinez says his entire staff will come back next year. We've got some thoughts And Steven Strasburg's 2023 status is still completely unknown. We will talk about that as well. Who do you want back from this group next year? Who are you going to stand on the table for? We'll get into that. Plus, Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run. He has hit more homers in a season, presumably, than any clean player ever did. Where does he stand historically? And we'll look at the playoff picture. Who are we going to root for with the Nats not participating in postseason baseball this October? All coming up on Bustin' Loose Baseball, which starts. Danny, why don't you give us the right now? All right, you ready for it? Here we go. Which all starts right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Welcome in to episode 42 of Boston Loose Baseball. Grant, Danny, and Darius with you. Why don't we start with the saddest tweet of all time? I mean, literally a just a, a tweet that'll make you cringe. Uh, nobody did anything wrong. The Nationals were honoring their players of the year. The local media was voting on players of the year based on the players that are available to them. But uh, if Rock Bottom had a picture... It would be my screen grab of a Nats tweet honoring hitter of the year Lane Thomas, pitcher of the year Erasmo Ramirez for 2022. Sad horn. Uh, you know, person alone in a raining field looking for a lost puppy. That was what that tweet was. I get it. I mean, you, you can't say Juan Soto's the player of the year. Hasn't been here in two months, three months, whatever, whatever month this is. So, yeah, of who's left, I suppose that's what you do. But it's just one of those things where, Grant, I know I need to lose weight. I know I don't look that good, right? And I'll convince myself. I'll, I work out. I try to watch what I eat. and you know. But this morning I had pancakes, for example, so I'm sure I'll gain 11 pounds. But, like, every once in a while I'll just see a candid picture, and I'll go, oh, that's what I look like. That was that candid picture. That's what we look like. I'm aware that the team that's going to lead the league in losses isn't very good, and they don't have a lot right now at the major league level. Very clear to me. But when you when you put it that way, you can't hide. You know what I mean? Like you can't do you can't twist that. You can't turn it into something else that it isn't. You can't go, hey, this was about the spirit award or something. No, no, no. Those were probably the right selections. 
and oh my God. Just tells you how far away they truly are at the moment. Their leader in home runs this year was Juan Soto, who has not been on the team since the start of August. Their leader in RBI this year was Nelson Cruz, who narrowly beat out Josh Bell, who has also not been on the team since the trade deadline. By the way, crazy that Nelson Cruz, with the year he had, just 10 home runs and a two thirty five average, led the team in runs batted in. But Lane Thomas, to his credit, was second on the team in homers with 17 uh, as an everyday player, got 500 at bats, so and he'll never have to worry again. What if I would have just gotten 500 at bats one season instead then of what being happened? <laughs> an extra outfielder? Well, you'd you'd have had 17 homers and 50 RBI and eight stolen bases and hit about 245 with a 710 OPS. And it was not a terrible year for him. I mean, comparative to his peers in the clubhouse, he was the player of the year. I mean, you can make the case he was one of their top players this year. Uh, in fact, among regulars, his 710 OPS, qualifying full season regulars for the Nationals, that's tops on the board. You know, guys like Nelson Cruz, 650, and Cesar Hernandez, who played almost every day, 630. So Lane Thomas was probably deserving of the Hitter of the Year award. I probably would have just given it to Joey Manessis for two months and said what just happened was awesome and it'll look good 10 years from now when you look back and see his name and, and you get to tell that story. But if we're going circuit to circuit all season long, there's only a handful of options, and of them, Lane Thomas was the best of those players. Lane Thomas, to me, is still a fourth outfielder. And Lane Thomas, to me, is still a guy with versatility to play probably all three spots defensively on a first division team off the bench, run a little bit, hit for a little bit of power, You know, probably plays better brand of baseball on a better team. Uh, we've seen... You know, that happened where guys will go somewhere else and it's a 99-win team or whatever and, and you've got this role that's carved out and all of a sudden instead of hitting 240, you hit 287 you know, off the bench in a limited capacity or whatever. That's probably what should be happening. But because Lane Thomas is on the worst team in baseball, which they will be the worst team in baseball by record when the year ends here in a few hours, uh, he got to play 146 games or whatever it was. I like him a hair more than you do, but not much. I'm, I'm not a president of the fan club or anything. I'm with you on all the outfield positions. He had a great throw from right field last night that should have resulted in an out, quite frankly. Uh, uh, Trace Pereira didn't handle the throw particularly well, backed up the line, and then seemed surprised that a runner was coming and, and, and sort of was like, I should probably try to tag him. But by then it was too late. The guy was safe, but it was a really good plus defensive play. He, he's not world class, but he is a you know a, a above average outfielder, I think. I think he can be... He's an above average? Outfielder, yeah, as an as a defensive outfielder. Oh, defensively, yeah, I think okay. so. I, I, I don't get it. He's not a player, he's not a world beater. No, no, no. I I think he can be. If it just it, it all depends on what you are. We talk about this all the time. What's your identity? Who are you next year? If it's a big overhaul, a bunch of spending, you know, four new players, and you got to you got to script somewhere, you got to eke by somewhere. You could do worse than having him hit seventh in a pretty good lineup as your as your clearly your third best outfielder with an honest to goodness leadoff man. Maybe a, a real legit bopper in a corner outfield spot. Maybe that's Joey Manessis. I don't know. But upgrades are needed everywhere. Nobody's saying that you don't need that. I think you can get away with having that guy in a far less marquee role. As someone, I think he can be a 250-20 homer guy, bottom-of-the-order type player. That's a that's a decent enough outfielder. But but we're, we're, we're feeding out of the same trough here. Nobody's calling him a world beater. I mean, we just saw the full season. He wasn't 250 or 20. I, I guess... 
you know, he's a couple of good weeks away from from those numbers. I get it. Like before the year after the way he played last season, people came in and said, this is what Lane Thomas could be. But we just kind of saw it, didn't we? I mean, he just got to play every single day. Now, I guess the argument could be on a, I always use the term first division, but on what I'll say is a really good team. If he was the left fielder playing 145 games on like the Yankees this year or something, what would those numbers look like? Maybe the argument is that's where he performs better. He's got support. He's, you know, you're the seventh or eighth guy in the lineup, so there's no pressure and and hitting and scoring is contagious or whatever. I don't know. I think this is what he is. I mean, that's kind of exactly what I would have expected. Now, what I didn't expect was that this would be the best season anybody had on the team. Yeah, that's that's the real point here. Which is tough. But, you know, 15 to 20 home runs and sub-10 steals is disappointing, to be honest. I would have thought he stole closer to 15 bags. But an OPS a little over 700. Like, those are kind of the numbers that I penciled in and, and felt like were coming. And, you know, that's what we got. He hit 26 doubles. I think he can hit doubles, and, and that's going to be part of his game. But I'm with you. Like, when Lane Thomas is playing, it's not like he's a liability at any point. When he's batting, you rarely get the. It, it's not like he comes to the plate and it's some, you know, light hitting catcher where you go, oh God, rally's over. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I just, I think if this team is winning division titles, he's a bench player. That's all I'm saying. I think that's a fair assessment. I, for me, I would, I would certainly like to do better. But I guess the point I'm making is glass half full. You could certainly do a lot worse. And you know, again, I don't think we're saying things that are too far apart. I just sort of feel like a guy that hadn't really had a chance to play. That's the first time he's been an everyday player, and I could see a slight improvement coming just because I, I think there's a nice little baseline there skill set-wise. But, again, that's that's neither here nor there. Nobody's calling him uh, a real MVP. You know, Shout-out Kevin Durant. Nobody's saying that this is a good state of the union, that he was their most consistent or best player or whatever. He basically had like a couple nice weeks with – Six months of mediocrity at best, you know. Like, remember that weekend he had like three home runs, and then you know that's a third of the season total. Right, that's, that's what a total. bench player does. Yeah, it's kind of what happens. You know, but, you, you say they could couple. do they could do a lot worse, and I get what you're saying. Like, he he has tools, but I, I would just counter with Ildemaro Vargas got called up and had almost 200 at bats and hit 280 with with the same OPS. Like, I, he's just a Triple A Freddie. You know what I'm saying? Like. Vargas is or, or Thomas is? Um, I guess both. Vargas is. <laughs> but, but, like, your point is uh, uh, we're spending way too much time on Lane Thomas. But, uh, but I guess w- what I'll just say is you're acting like, yeah, he, I mean, but he could do worse. And I'm like, well, this is just what happens. When you play a guy every single day for a full season yep. in this era who's got a, you know, major league talent, they'll hit 17 home runs. I mean, again, Ildemaro Vargas this year – had a, a batting average almost 40 points higher in the same OPS, basically. Who is Ildemaro Vargas? I mean, he's just a guy from the minor leagues. You see what I'm saying? I do. So, I don't know. It, it is what it is. But it, I'm not be- I, it sounds like I'm beating up on Lane Thomas. I, I'm taking out my frustration on where we are as an outfit here on Lane Thomas, to be completely honest, because uh, he was one of the, the good eggs. Second on the team, by the way, in war. Now, Soto was number one this year. Bell was number two. They're both in San Diego, headed to the postseason with the Padres. Uh, Victor Robles was actually the team leader in B-War, uh, based on being terrific defensively, obviously. Lane Thomas was second. Vargas was third. Ruiz was fourth. Erasmo Ramirez was fifth. 
Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. was sixth. Manessis was seventh. And then rounding out the top ten, you had Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan, and Anibal Sanchez at .8 wins. What are we doing uh, here, Rounding out the top ten. All right, speaking of which, Erasmo Ramirez was their pitcher of the year. Uh, This one stung more than Lane Thomas did. You know, Lane Thomas at least, you know, gives you some highlights and some big moments and it's fun enough watching him. He's he's got some tools, as we said. He's got some speed, some power, whatever. Erasmo Ramirez is a 32-year-old journeyman. Good story from Nicaragua. Uh, was in Seattle for years as a, as a kind of a, a tweener reliever starter, then a, a multi-inning guy, went to Tampa, bounced back to Seattle. Uh, since 18, Mariners, Red Sox, Mets, Tigers, and now Nationals. 59 games in a sub-3 ERA. But his fielding independent pitching, Danny, is 4.14. He doesn't strike anyone out. Like 6 Ks per 9. I don't know. Uh, nobody did anything wrong again. I understand how we got here that he's the pitcher of the year. I mean, he, he had a lot of success for them. And just whatever role they needed. Like, oh, Josiah Gray can't throw tonight because it might rain. You're starting. Four innings, two runs. Oh, someone just left in the first inning because uh, they couldn't get outs. You're in the game. You know, he has to be stretched out for four frames or whatever. So he's given them everything they've asked. And, and we talked to Mark Zuckerman about this, and he said that apparently Erasmo Ramirez was, like, giddy about winning this award, and it meant so much to him. And so I, I don't want to take away from that or belittle that. Like, that's really cool, and I'm really excited for the guy. But, yeah. man, man, oh, man. When the guys that this year are making a combined $60 million, and that number is going to jump to, to 70 here within uh, a season or two. That's such a good point. Go 6-20 and 20 with a combined ERA north of 7, and you know one of those guys makes a start and is now back, who we'll talk about here shortly, in Steven Strasburg. And your journeyman Jag reliever is available. He was fifth in innings pitched on this team. Fifth. He made appearances in every role that you could make appearances in. You know, the first guy up out of the bullpen, the opener, the middler, the all of it, always available. And in a season where anytime we saw something going okay, with a couple notable exceptions, that guy got shut down, that guy got hurt, that guy got traded, he was available. And again, the, the larger point with Lane Thomas isn't that to, to diagnose what Lane Thomas is, you've correctly diagnosed what Erasmo Ramirez is. It's just that was the state of things. That's what this was. Before the season started, it now sounds laughable to say, but I was like, if a couple things, and these are major things, go okay, this team could make a little noise. They're not as good as the Braves. They're not as good as the Mets. They're probably a little a, a tier or two below the Phillies. But they could be the kind of team that you don't want to play on certain days if Strasburg can take the ball and be, you know, Fairly nasty. Patrick Corbin finds himself again. You you could see a Soto Bell, maybe a young piece or two. If Victor Robles figures it out for at, at any point in time, all these things now sound laughable in retrospect because they're on their way to lead the league in losses. 104 as of this broadcast, uh, or as of this podcast. But it really showed the state of the union. It showed how bereft they were of answers. It showed how poorly some of their designs and hopes went, and why they were so correct in pulling the plug and hitting detonate. And it started last year at, at the trade deadline, and it was only a matter of time before they really fully went in and, and you know dynamited the, the foundation of this thing and started anew to look two years or whatever in the, into the future. But it really is emblematic of the State of the Union of the organization. The idea that you couldn't get Josiah Gray 
to be their pitcher of the year, that it wasn't, you know, because he wasn't quite ready to do it, that it wasn't going to be Patrick Corbin because he had a bounce back year still with uh, another year or two remaining on his deal. It just shows you, man, that they are not in a good place. And that was probably the right call for who the pitcher of the year was. But, oh, my God, what does it say about us? Yeah, again, it's it's sad. I mean, it just is. I, mean, I, I get that you lose 100-plus and you, you're rebuilding by design, and I'm on board with the rebuild. I mean, I'm not one of these people who, who doesn't get this. I watched what the Astros and the Cubs and the Nats 1.0 and the Orioles have done, and I'm on board. I want to do this. I believe in what Mike Elias has done in Baltimore when everyone else was screaming about how bad for baseball the Orioles' last five years were, I was the one saying, this is brilliant. Uh, it, it doesn't make this any easier. And ideally, your, your pitcher of the year is not you know, a journeyman in his mid-30s who doesn't strike anyone out. Like You can be awful and at the same time have some young guys performing, and it, it just didn't happen the way they needed it to on the pitching side this year. Maybe if uh, Evan Lee doesn't get hurt, you know, he becomes an integral part of the, ro- the, the not maybe not the rotation, but the staff. You know, maybe if Jackson Tatro doesn't get hurt, he could have pitched to a, a 398 or a 422 or something, and you could have, you know, given him the award because he had a, a high strikeout rate or whatever. Uh, but it, it just didn't happen that way. Um, all right. Last award they gave out was the good guy award. That was Nelson Cruz. So here's what's interesting about Cruz, who had a really bad year. I mean, just a shell of what they expected him to be is on base plus slugging, 651, lowest since he started playing as a regular for the Rangers back in 2006 when I was in high school. Uh, He got one year and 15 million in March. And at the time, you know, everybody thought, well, this is actually kind of smart. I liked it. Hand up. He'll hit 18 to 20 home runs, and, and then you flip him. And I kind of loved the idea of moving him for a, a you know a, a mid-level pitching prospect or something at the deadline. Well, it got to a point where they couldn't trade him for anything. Uh, they held on to him to help them in their own clubhouse. Um, so the idea was, okay, well, it's year 18, he's going to retire, except that he's not going to retire. I mean, he told Jesse Doherty of The Post that he – is going to keep playing, or wants to at least, next year. He said, if I don't feel like I am having fun, I'll leave, you know. Uh, He went on to say, everybody is here for different reasons. I play to win, to get championships, to win a World Series. That's the ultimate goal that we share. But it is not just my career. It's for everyone around me, too. A lot of people depend on if I play and how I play. Um, He wants to keep playing. Uh, Oh. Good luck to him. I, I, you know, this is not personal, but they should go in a different direction. Like Joey Manessis should be their DH next year, or uh, possibly Luke Voigt if they don't move him. I mean, they already have three DHs essentially That's right, right yeah. now. Squad so an easy one to move on from would be Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I, 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 I do wish him the best because he's had a great career and he's a hell of a guy. Great I mean, dude, and you know, really we're talking about him winning the good guy award and how important he was for a lot of the, a lot of their young players, especially young Latin players. Um, where we underestimate how tough it is for you know these guys to deal with the pressure of playing Major League Baseball, and then oh by the way, living in a foreign country where everything from food to customs to the roads are, are not familiar to you. I mean, can you imagine if we had to go do our job in like Brazil? We don't speak the language, and, we're, and they're just like, "Good luck, guys. F- fend for yourself." I I wouldn't last five minutes. It's it's unbelievable what what they're tasked to do, and and how difficult it is at, at times to uh, to assimilate. That's why I was always so impressed. Just as a quick side, with with Juan Soto, somebody who was determined to do that as as quickly as possible, and taught himself English and and and, and everything else. But Cruz is 
the kind of guy that you want around until it becomes a detriment, right? And what I mean is he's such a good dude and everybody likes him. That's universal. But being well-liked isn't the only criteria for being a Major League Baseball player, right? The skill set clearly diminished. There's no way around that fact. And he shouldn't be getting at bats. In fact, he probably got at bats for, for too long before this weird eye thing ended up shutting him down. But it's it's the kind of thing that's awkward, that it's painful, that coaches don't like to do, that good guys like Davey Martinez probably don't really enjoy doing. But this is where we are, man. We are not in a place where a guy that's going to turn 43 next July, my age, should be taking at bats away from a kid that's 22, 23, 24 years old for a group that's rebuilding. It's, it's just that's not where we are. It doesn't change his unbelievable career where he, with a decent season this year, could have been knocking on the door of 500 homers uh, if he came back for next season. This was such a disaster in so many different ways, and you alluded to them, not personality-wise, but baseball performance-wise, that it just can't be. We, we, we There has to be a different answer. It's a fare thee well. I'll write you a great recommendation. You should probably be a coach uh, sooner rather than later because you're so well-respected, but it just can't be here. It can't be in the way of somebody else. Agreed with all of that, and I think that the plan probably was less to give him all the at-bats all season long and more to just trade him at the deadline, and that backfired, to your point. For those wondering, contractually speaking, uh, Nelson Cruz signed what was a one-year $12 million deal. Now, the reason I said 15 is because there's a $3 million buyout to not bring him back for next season. So there is a second year, an option year on this deal. That let's just say somehow, you know, he would have hit 43 home runs or something this year and found the fountain of youth, and they wanted to bring him back to be their DH next season. Uh, that was a $16 million salary for next year, but it was a mutual option that Cruz will clearly pick up. I mean, he ain't getting $16 million anywhere else. Right. But it doesn't matter because the team won't. And so you buy him out at $3 million, you add that to the 12 mil they paid him this year, and he'll get the $15 million for the one season and, and that's you know that's just a no-brainer. I mean it's not even worth really discussing a whole lot more. Uh, that goes without saying. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Long gone. Next item on the to-do list. Davey Martinez told reporters before the, I think it was the doubleheader on Tuesday. Tuesday night, yeah. So the penultimate day of the season that he plans on bringing his entire staff back. Uh, That's pitching, that's hitting, that's base coaches, everybody. Um, You know, I haven't done enough digging yet, to be frank, Um as maybe I should, but just anecdotally speaking, I'm not a big Jim Hickey guy with a young pitching staff. Uh, I don't think their young pitchers got better this year, specifically Josiah Gray. Um, I don't think you've seen development. This is a, a, a issue, frankly, in the organization for many years, but you know, specifically this year, uh, Jim Hickey's a, a longtime pitching coach. You've seen him with the Cubs with some veterans, the Rays with some veterans. Fine enough job. You know, pitching coaches, hitting coaches in general are more there to 
you know, tell you, hey, I think you're flying open or try this. I mean, they're not cure-alls, right? This is not the, the fixer that everyone thinks probably. But I, I do think you have a really nice opportunity with all this young arms they're going to be developing to go get a forethinker, you know, to go get someone – it doesn't have to be, you know, someone who works for Kyle Bodie at driveline necessarily. But, I mean, you see a bunch of teams going to, like, Vanderbilt and grabbing pitching coaches or, you know, these baseball factory schools around the country where uh, people have been developing young arms for years that get drafted in the first round. That's what I want to do. I want to be on the cutting edge. I, I want to go to, you know, this one of these pitching warehouses where everyone's into the, the uh, edutronic cameras and the, uh, Rapsodo machines and, and go get some 32-year-old guy who fizzled out in the minor league six years ago who's now a pitching savant. Uh, they don't seem interested in that. They, they've gone the opposite, uh, you know, over the years. I can't even remember the guy's name from the Cardinals who they fired in season. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, d- d- the, the, the army of pitching coaches. Damn, I'll think of his name in a second. Not Mike Maddox, but no, the, no, the no. other guy. This was just a few years yeah. ago. But he came over from St. Louis. They fired him a few weeks in. Uh, then they promoted their own pitching coach from the minor leagues. And, you know, it's it's just kind of been like lifers one after another. Um, it's it's just not the way I would go with this. You know, I, I Derek would, Lilliquist? Lilliquist, exactly go. right. Um, and they, they blew out Lilliquist a couple of weeks into the season who was kind of similar, in my opinion, to Hickey, just like a, an old-school, you know, yell-from-the-dugout kind of guy. I and remember, just, we spoke to a player. I want to go in a different direction. Yeah, you remember, we spoke to a player during that Lilliquist time where that player ended up being the people's best pitching coach. Like, he would notice stuff that, that the coach wouldn't, because the coach is, Bulldog out there, ice your arm when you're done, run a pole. Right, and and he's the guy that's noticing this mechanical thing, or this tell, or this grip, or, or whatever else. And a lot of times, these guys, it was a veteran rotation, veteran bullpen, veteran everything. They were their own kind of best, uh, you know, critics or fixers or or, or whatever. So, I, I'm with you. Generally, the metrics here for success for a coaching staff, we're used to, you know, 90 plus wins. We're used to, you know. Uh, Hopefully having a great tactician come postseason time, you know, don't see Matt Williams or Dusty Baker for that. But for the, for this team, what were the metrics that we're looking for success? Development of young players. Anybody feel like we got that? Did anybody feel like as the season went, Luis Garcia's uh, swing discipline got better? Did anybody feel like, uh, you know, I don't know, Victor Robles figured out anything at any point in time? Did Josiah Gray still fly open and miss uh, arm side up and out constantly when he wasn't going well? Yeah. So again, you don't you you, you never know if you're playing young kids. Sometimes that's what's just going to happen. Period. End of story. Sometimes it's coaching's not doing the job. I, I just you never know where to play the the, the blame the place the, uh, the 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 lion's share of the blame if you're making a delicious plain pie. To me, I would have a hard time just re racking it. I, that's just that's how I feel about it. I, I, well, I just have, as a general rule, like you can't say, "Oh, you lost 100 x amount of games." You, you got to do something different. But it was the way they lost. Their base running was terrible. Their fielding was mostly bad. Like, yes, you you can be bad with a bad collection of players by design. But it was kind of like worse than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and again, it's it, this is more of a feel thing than a data point thing, right? Because let's say this group was maximized. Everything was perfect. Everybody performed to their optimal. They still lose 95, 96 games. 
You know, they're still at the bottom of this division, towards the bottom of the league. But, but who and, and got a lot better as and, the year went on? That's kind of what I'm. That's what I'm trying to hammer here. GP is. I know I'm kind of plucking out examples, but your veterans, your Carl Edwardses, had their renaissance years. Your, uh, I don't know, your Kyle Finnegan's, your Tanner Rainey's, guys were were okay. Your Rainey's been hurt all year. Well, you know what I mean. Like when he yeah. when he was pitching, he was he was pretty good. I, I guess what I mean is the 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 key to this phase that we're in right now is can you see the light at the end of the tunnel for all these young kids that are coming up here getting their teeth kicked in at the major league level right can you see development can you see a a a, a situation where Victor Robles is the the prince that was promised can you see a guy at the top of the order stealing 30 bags playing great defense in center field hitting 16 to 20 homers and being a force I certainly can't. How, you know, is, is that under, his fault or is it they haven't developed him? I don't know. What player under like twenty eight exceeded expectations? I guess would be my question. You know, this year or made leaps and bounds improvements as the year went on. I don't. I don't specifically take issue with any one coach. I mean, philosophically speaking, again, I would go in a different direction with the pitching coach spot because I would just be doing something completely different. Legitimately, like I would yeah. go to Tennessee right now, where everyone throws 105, and where they got all kinds of unique programs. You go to a, go to a JC where guys that are left over are throwing a hundred, <laughs> right? And I would say, hey, pitching coach for the Volunteers, you're now my pitching coach. You know, I would just be doing. You know, I would go to Driveline and say, all right, who's your biggest genius? It's not named Kyle Bodie. Come with me. Uh, that's kind of what it, how I'm thinking about this thing at this point, but. Uh, yeah, Tim Bogar, the bench coach, is what you know. He's fine in his role. He and Davey get along very well. Good relationship. Darnell Cole's their hitting coach, uh, and then Jim Hickey, the pitching coach at first base. Ey Junior. I, you know, you don't really notice first base coaches a ton. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on that. I will say at third base, you know, for years we talked about how many guys uh, they got thrown out at home. Because Bob Senley, oh Bob Senley, um, real name Bob Henley, but uh, we called him Bob Senley, uh, would just get guys thrown out at the plate. I mean, I, anecdotally, I think DeSarcina was just as bad or worse. <laughs> I mean, they, they got a ton of guys thrown out at home plate uh, over the course of the year. But just to run it back is is really interesting, and, and maybe it won't be that way. I mean, Davey said he's going to bring all the staff back. You know, it might not be entirely up to him. You know, he was asked, and he says, "Yeah, I'm bringing my guys back." Maybe Rizzo or someone with right, the maybe there's a convo. Yeah. steps in and goes, hey, I, I know you said you wanted to bring them back. And especially if there's new ownership grants, sorry to cut you off, but if that may be an organizational edict. That may be a, we're going to send a message to the fan base that this is not going to be tolerated. Something like that. You may have one of those you know, type ownership groups come in. We don't know. That's a good point by you. Uh, all right. How about Steven Strasburg? Why don't we get into him for a second? Uh, they don't know what's going to happen with Steven Strasburg in 2023. It doesn't sound like Strasburg knows what's going to happen in 2023. Um, I'll read a couple of quotes here. Some of these made national attention and via the AP. Um, Mike Rizzo talking about Strasburg said, It's still a bit of a mystery. I know that he's working hard strengthening his core and the other parts of his body. We're just going to have to see with the type of surgery and rehab that he's had. It's unfamiliar to us. It's unfamiliar to a lot of people. We're going to have to take it day by day. Strasburg's 34 years old. He's thrown a total of 31 innings and made eight starts over the past three years since being the hero of the World Series run and winning World Series MVP and getting a seven-year, $245 million contract, which he'll be going into year four of that deal next year. 
Another quote from Rizzo, we'll have to see where the rehab process takes us later on in the winter. We're going to monitor him. He's local, so we'll see him all the time, and we'll see where he's going into spring training mode. I would just love somehow, some way, for Strauss to come forward and say, hey, guys, I'm going to go my separate way here. It's been yeah. a good run. Just from a financial standpoint, it would benefit the team. But that's obviously up to him. He's earned the right to do whatever he wants. He's had a hell of a career, a 3.24 ERA for his career. I think he's you know close to 50 games over 500 in his career as well uh, for win-loss people out there. And, again, without him, they don't win the World Series. So do you, man, whatever it is that you want to do. Eat some delicious steaks in Tyson's Corner and, uh, you know, Rehab, but yeah, I'd show up once a month, jog pole to pole, you know, do go through the motions for 35 million bucks a year. Anybody that says they wouldn't, good for you, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, but it's just got to be a little bit of a pain in the ass for him at this point, I would think. Sure, to, it's no fun. I to, mean, you, to be rehabbing all you your pitch, life, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it, so think about it, it's basically yes. two and a half, maybe even three years in a row where he's just been rehabbing to pitch without any of the fun or the results that right. he wants. It's painstaking and it stinks. Yeah. Um, but again, it's made easier by a paycheck with so many commas and zeros. Um, I, I would say, I'll would i say this. When you hear words, we're talking medical stuff like mystery, and we'll just figure it out day to day and hope, ominous at best. Think about the way they outline it. And they caught a ton of flack for this. Nobody cared when they did it with Jordan Zimmerman when they weren't any good. But every, the whole world, the whole sporting world cared. GP, how many radio stations did you and I go on explaining to host after host after host after hot taker, yes, they're absolutely going to shut him down because it's the best medical practice that they have. They have a playbook that they've run before. It's medical stuff. It's not you know, uh, anything other than that. I mean, it's, it's a very simple deal. They they have this thing that they believe, whether they're right or not, time will tell, certainly, in terms of how he responds or the, the length of his career or whatever. But, yes, this is exactly what's going on. They had a plan. They had a course of events. This is how they did TJ. They they felt like they knew something. I'm sure they've, you know, updated and adapted and, and, and changed things over time. They've gotten more data available. Mike Rizzo has said this. We've heard a couple hints at this. The key is as follows. There's just no data. There's just no precedent. They've got no roadmap, no potential, no milestones they're looking for, no tracker, no way to say this is working, this isn't working. They're just going to try a couple things and then wait a month. They're going to try something else and wait another two months just to see if he can pick up a baseball and throw it pain-free. That article in the Washington Post about how he can only be comfortable when he's lying down with his right hand pressed to his chest and he has to teach himself to do things left-handed did not sound like a guy that's going to be ready to take the ball at spring training to give you 180 innings. It just didn't. It, it sounded like a guy that's never going to pitch again. Right. I'm not a doctor. I know nothing. I'm just a pudgy idiot that loves talking about sports and baseball. But you see enough stories, you read enough words, and again, those words of mystery and you know, kind of we'll figure it out, Oh, my God, does that sound like just an absolute yoke hanging around the neck of this team? Yeah, if you guys uh, want more intel on that surgery he had and on thoracic outlet syndrome in general, you should go back and listen to our podcast with Cole Henry. It was several episodes ago, going back a few weeks. But, uh, Darius, maybe you can give people the name of the pod um, that they can look up. But Cole Henry, who had the exact same procedure, came on and actually broke the news on our show that he was going to have that procedure. But he went into great detail about the recovery and, and how it all works. Uh, and it's available in our podcast feed here. So, 
And you should definitely go check it out. And uh, Darius, when you find it, just let me know uh, which episode that was. People can look up, but just search for uh, Cole Henry's name uh, in the podcast feed and you'll find it. Uh, all right, I wanted to go through some of the uh, players on the team, Danny. And I wanted to play a little game called Yes, No, or It's Complicated. So we're going to run through mm. the players. And it, this is a simple question. Should they be on the team next year? Yes, no, or it's complicated. And if there, if we have a disagreement or if something's complicated, we can explain. But otherwise, we'll just keep it moving. Let's go for it. Cesar Hernandez. No. I'll say no. Lane Thomas. Yes. I'll say yes. Victor Robles. No. I'll say it's complicated. I, uh, I'm good. I, I, I understand your point. I am too. This is this is my weird cross to bear. I'm over the top on this. I, I have no patience left. The organization shouldn't listen to me here. Not that they should ever listen to me, but especially on this one. He makes me so mad. I'm so fed up. It it lessens my enjoyment of baseball games, knowing that he's out there. Knowing I don't that he's know about why, to get thrown out on the baseball. I don't know why he 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 has this weird limp when he jogs. Like everything about him, and he's very nice dude. You sound like a married man who now hates the sound of your wife's voice. Uh, you know? th- this this is where I am with him. Every mannerism he has, every at bat, every. Everything he does bothers me. Yeah, we talked a lot about him the last couple of weeks, so we don't need to now. But uh, my it's complicated, as we've discussed, is only because you're going to have to find another really good defensive center fielder. Yep. And if you could do that, then you can replace him. And I would not be upset at all if that happened. I'm, I'm not married to him. I also am annoyed and would love for them to move on. But, I mean, there's some other things they got to do. Nelson Cruz. No. No. Kbert Ruiz. Yes. Yes. Michael Franco. No. Well, he's out of the organization, I guess, anyway. <laughs> but, no. but but especially no again. Uh, <laughs> but especially no. <laughs> Yadiel Hernandez. No. I'll say yes, whatever, 35. Now, you know what? You got DHs already. Uh-huh. You got Manessis now, and you, you got Luke Ford. Great recommendation. Thank you for the time. Uh, Luis Garcia. Yes. Yes. Joey Manessis. Yes. Yes. Ildemaro Vargas. No. Yes. Uh, he could give you some help in the infield off the bench, hopefully. I mean, he I, hit a little bit. He could, and and I, I'm a little too harsh when I say no. I'm looking to do better there. I want an everyday third baseman. Well, I'm expecting I, I they're going to you know be a hundred type loss team again next you, year. If if if, that, if that's if that's the route they go, then then I change my answer to yes. Uh, I'm expecting a new ownership group to come in and try to make some endearing moves to make people nice. excited. I mean, the, the timeline's got to get going here. You're right I mean, about that. To, we've heard nothing like Leontis's right. group or someone would have to buy the team probably in two and a half months. To, You're right. And by then, free agency's already started. Uh, Luke Voigt, I'll say yes, yes I guess. I mean, I, I would try to trade him, to be honest with you. Um, but no problem if he's back. Riley Adams? Yes. Sure, why not? Backup catcher. Uh, or, or even, you know, on the train back and forth to AAA, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. Getting his miles up. Uh, C.J. Abrams is obviously yes. a yes. Alex Cole? <sighs> it's complicated. I'll I'll say no. I mean, I, you could find another guy like Alex Call. Right, Alex Call will be available. You know what I mean? Um, anyone else here interesting? I, I don't think there's anyone else kind of worth as far as bats worth discussing. Let's go to the pitching side really quickly. JoJo's a yes. yes. Corbin's a yes for money reasons. Fetty, yes, yes, I you, agree. You need, you need. I'm hoping he's their number six. Their number seven. Oh, geez. That'd you know be what great. I mean? That's my hope. That'd be great. You start to add it up, right? He might start on opening night. Uh, Paolo Espino, I'll say no. No. Good. Seashick, no. No. Finnegan, yes. Yes. Erasmo, no. Uh, no. It's, I, no, I'll say it's complicated. Okay. I mean, you know, everyday Eddie, my, if he's my 10th bullpen guy. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm just worried that he's going to pitch 70 times and be a pitcher of the <laughs> again, year again. you mean? <laughs> yeah. Carl Edwards, absolutely. Yes. Yoan Adon, yes. Yeah. Uh, Anibal Sanchez, no. no. Andres Machado, sure. Okay. I'm fine with him being like my seventh reliever. Uh, Corey Abbott, no. Nope. Victor Arano, nope. No. Hunter Harvey. Hunter Harvey, hell yeah. That's a hell yeah. That's a, that's a Stone Cold Steve Austin, hell yeah. <laughs> 43 punches and 38 innings. I'll bet he can pound some beer, speaking of Stone Cold. Uh, 33 hits allowed in 38 innings. Uh, Jordan Weems, yes. Yes. Rainey, yes. Yes. Mason Thompson. Uh, yes for me. Mason Thompson, yes. Uh, Tatro, yes. Lee, yes. Cavalli, yes. Anybody else worth talking about there? That's my list right there. I think you covered it. All right, so that's just kind of a feel of, of where we're at on, on the roster. A lot of young guys get yeses, a lot of old guys get noes, pretty much. <laughs> that's, um, that's your theme right there, right? Dang, zoom. Aaron Judge hit 62, man. He did yeah. it. He did the dang thing. Congrats. First of all to him, pitching is nastier than it has ever been, and it's not close. It's unbelievably good. The year he has had is just absurd. Video game with the difficulty turned down. Unbelievable. What a campaign. Amazing. Credit to him. Awesome moment. You can see how fired up his teammates Are you still going Shohei MVP? I do, yes. I think that's outrageous. Because it. Every, here's my reason for it. Every day, he should be celebrated in a way that understands but and comprehends the fact that we just don't see this. When you look back at 2022 in 40 years, you're not going to really think about Shohei's season. It's the Aaron Judge season. No, it totally is. He had 62 freaking home runs. It dude. totally is. On, by the way, a mm-hmm. division championship yes. team that would have been middle of the pack without him. And I'm not a big triple crown guy. It's kind of arbitrary in the stats, but he's a triple crown award winner, possibly. And had, a, I mean, had it the best season of anybody. Like if Shohei wins the MVP award, then we just need to, no one else can win it till he stops playing. Now, you, now you're on my track. I mean, but that's if, stupid. It's, it's not. If he, if he does, if he's available for the number of games, it, it should we should need to come up with a different award. The best player that doesn't hit thirty five bombs and pitch to a sub three, like it's so ridiculous what he's doing. Nobody does anything close to this. In, in like it doesn't even happen in high school to this degree. What he's I, doing at the major league level, I agree. And it's I love more, talking and it's about more Shohei. that than anything else. But yeah, that, but that's Judge is the MVP. So for, he's going to be the MVP. Uh, here's who I also want to congratulate. Congratulations to the old farts, to the fogies. To the to the to the lords of the old school who got to pen their columns last night and today about the real home run king. He's the real home run king. Only click click on this if you love fair play. I'm sure nobody else is doing roids or performance enhancing drugs when they were pitching to Bonds and McGuire and Sosa in the era of steroids. You've totally figured it out. Congrats on mastering the sport. You are the best. Thank you for being on guard for our moral high ground. I, otherwise, I was so worried I wouldn't be able to know what I was seeing on my television set. Thank you so much, old person, that let me know what really happened last night. Anyway, Aaron Judge is great. That was an unbelievable scene. Really, really cool to see his teammates mob him. Love seeing his mom at every game. And uh, how about the guy that wonders, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the ball. Yes, you do. You're going to put it up for auction smartly. You stand on guard for thee. By the way, uh, the guy that got the ball. His gorgeous wife is on TV in Dallas as, like, a sports reporter. Really? Yeah, and he is, like, the assistant director of some company that manages, like, $157 million a year or something. 
No one has ever needed that ball less. I mean, he got the ball. Good for him. Like, whatever. But I was hoping the story would be it was like some like father of nine who was like a janitor. Who just lost his job at the factory. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like a Christmas movie. Like, this dude is like... I caught the ball for true. This dude, I was like watching his wedding video last night with his wife, and they're like, you know, in some island. Like, like uh, good for him. I mean, a million bucks is a million bucks. for Everyone's telling him what to do. They're like, you don't need the ball. Just give the ball back to Judge. It's like, nope. shut up. You know what's nice for a millionaire to get a million more dollars? You know, I'm worth four million and I can get, make another 1.2 by getting a baseball. I'll do that. Now it's 5.2. You know what I'm saying? Let's have like, Elon Musk and I can earn an extra million dollars. I'll do it. Money is so delightful. Playoff picture. Who are we going to root for? I, I want Soto and the Padres, even though that they're not going to. I would love to see them go on a little run here. Um, Selfishly, I'm gonna, you know, I, I can't ever root for the Mets, but when Max pitches, I want him to hang a bunch of zeros. Uh, but I can't root for a team in the division. Who would you like to see win the World Series? I got a lot of villains here. I have no interest in seeing the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies do anything positive. The Dodgers can go right to hell. The Yankees, of course, are uh, longtime evil. And then Houston is awesome with 105 wins. How about da- the Cardinals? I'm down you to a couple give, teams. Have you forgiven them for 2012 yet? Um, No, and thank you for bringing that up. But they're less villainous to me than some of the other teams. So I'm basically down to rooting for Tampa, Toronto, and Cleveland. Any of them out of the American League, please. Toronto would be awesome. It. Tampa would be cool. Cleveland would be fun. I'm going to throw Seattle How about into Seattle? that mix. Seattle, dude. Julio Rodriguez. I actually want the Mariners to win the World Series. But if not them, I'll go the Blue Jays. I think they're a lot of fun. How, how are you guys feeling about this first year of this new postseason format? I'm kind of worried about these teams with this bye week or with with, with this supposed bye. Yeah, we're going to see I, how I, that works. I feel like that's going to be tough on teams. I remember so, when. I when, like lining up your pitching, though. Th- that's a great point. But I remember. Back when we were making the playoffs in 2012 and 2014, when we had to wait for the wild card teams, it always felt like the Nats came in really cold in yeah, those first couple games stunned. of the series. Totally, yeah. yeah. So I, I have always said, I've, I've beat the drum for this forever, uh, Darius. I want the regular season to matter so much. I would tilt things to such a high degree for teams that won 105 games, that were awesome for seven months, etc. This is a good start to me, though. I, I'd make it thing, I'd, I'd put these wild card teams through hell. I'd make you know the lowest seed wildcard team have every game on the road the whole postseason no matter what. I'd make these wildcard teams play a doubleheader and then fly late at night and the next day have to show up so the, the winning teams that were really, really good have as little time off as possible. You, this you is would, a good you start. Would, uh, you would like have someone come in and pour cold water on them every time they fell asleep? Yeah, it's like I'd have fire drills. I'd have someone do it at three at 2 and 3 and 5 in the morning. And like the, the, the one player, you wouldn't know which, would get like salmonella. Like I would do, I would make it so hard for these uh, teams that weren't anywhere near as good as these juggernauts for the whole season. Danny Manfred here. Yeah, but this Man. is this is a good start. So, like for example, the reason the Mets didn't want to get the wild card, obviously, you'd rather win the division in general. But you got to burn Degrom and Scherzer to start a series and presumably win it, right? So now you you don't get them twice uh, in in a and then you know a best of uh, best of five series the next round. So I do like that an awful lot. It's a good start, but I would do more. I'd swing it even more. Darius, do we have any uh, new comments from anybody uh, who is rating and subscribing and reviewing this here program? 
We actually have two, but before I get to that, I did want to go back to uh, what you mentioned, the Cole Henry episode. That's episode 29. It's titled Top Pitching Prospect Cole Henry Out for the Season. Details his upcoming major procedure. It was a heck of an interview. He's awesome. We've had him on the show twice he's a stud. to this point, and he's great to talk to. But, yeah, he gave us a lot of insight on that thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. So uh, definitely good to go back and listen to that. Episode 29, it's uh, listed as a bonus episode on, on Apple. Uh, yes, as far as of reviews, we got two of them. We got two five stars. Two. Reviews. Yep. The people heard us. Let's it sounds go. like we got we a couple begged. of new fans. We so, rock. We begged. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, the first one is from Skins Fan three seven nine. It's titled "Finally a Nats Podcast." He says, "Thank you. It's about time someone does a legitimate Nats podcast with great insight. You guys won me over. Let's Thank you, Skins Fan. Let's go, Let's go Skins Fan. I appreciate that. Look at you, handsome." Handsome, what just a good-looking person. Handsome, I, it, good it's such haircut. a good-looking five stars too. Yeah. Like his is his is more good-looking than the others. Very svelte. Yeah, uh, and then we got another one from Todd. He titled Todd four six seven. He titles it outstanding. He says this is the must-listen podcast for any Nats fan. Informative, insightful, and wildly entertaining. Yo, wildly, a little, uh, little overboard. Wildly, <laughs> not wild. Fine. Wildly, I think, wildly. I think we should get a commercial. And it should say that, like the, he his yeah, yeah, yeah. review. In, in but you know how they do that, that yeah. for like movies where it's like wildly entertaining, like a thrill ride. That, that would, would be the one. Actually, make our like the back of our book cover. Absolutely, you know, wildly yeah. entertaining. That's the one. And it. then it'll be a little hyphen, and it's like Todd four six seven. Picture you know? of Grant like smoking a pipe. That'd you know, like great. our back cover, our Wildly back jacket. Wildly entertaining. Well, so that's thank you, wonderful. Skins fan, and thank you, Todd four six seven. The carpet went Todd. Clap it up! Clap it up! All right, we're back with our full season in review show next week. For Darius and Danny, I'm Grant saying so long. Bustin' loose baseball in the books.